When, when I was little, I always listened to my parents. <laughs> Please don't, don't correct, don't correct uh, me up here. Um, but I always did. And I know that because uh, you know how um, whenever you have kids, uh, people will tell you, well, the way that you treated your parents, that's going to come back and get you, right? If you were a good kid, maybe your kids will be good. And if, if you weren't, then you're probably going to feel it through your kids. Well, um, uh, whenever uh, my wife uh, found out when we were, found out we were expecting Harper, um, I thought, well, here it comes. I'm in trouble now. Yep. But uh, she was perfect. Uh, she, she, does, she listens to everything that we say. Um, if I tell her no once, um, I mean, I don't want to say every time, but it's pretty good. And uh, especially when she was a little bit younger. So I thought, well, I, I really was a good kid. And then, and then came Evan. Um, and sometimes she doesn't always listen the same way. Uh, I can hear, hear Jen telling uh, Evan, uh, close that door, close the door. Hey, you have to shut that. Don't play with that. And then there's this pause, and it's about 10 seconds of Evan not breathing uh, because that's what happens right before she cries. It's the calm before the storm, and the screaming starts. And, and, uh, and then I can hear Jen saying, don't climb that. Get down from there. You can't play up there. And then you hear the crash, and you think, and she's, she didn't cry, but then the calm, and then, and then she starts crying. And, uh, and, I, and I think, I know you've probably heard this before, but, but this idea of, of our relationship with our kids and our kids trusting us, it's, it's like us with God. And, and we've been going through our gifts, uh, our gifts to God, and today we're looking at faith or trust being our gift to God. And I wonder, how could that possibly be? But think about how much, how much peace you have when your kids trust and obey you, and how much, how much joy you have, how, mu- how much happier, happier you are because your kids listen to you. And so we get into this, um, this idea in Hebrews chapter 11. So if you would look with me there, Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 1. It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in the tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky 
and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All right, so we just read a lot, and we read about a lot of different people in the Bible, people who we read their stories in the Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament, and this is like the, well, it's, it's the, referred to as the Hall of Faith. You know, so we have the Hall of Fame in sports, and it's people who have had great careers and, and left great legacies and, and did great things, and so they're, they're, they want to, we, we, we put them in a place where we can remember them. Well, that's kind of what was happening here. There's these people that did some, I don't want to say great things. These people were faithful to God. They trusted him, and they, and they followed his ways. Um, so we're going to look at the results then at these people and, and what the result was of their faithfulness. So first, Abel. Abel left a legacy. Now, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to have a statue made after them or a building named after them or, or a, a, a bench or a tree or something planted in their, in their memory? When we leave here, people to remember us. We want to be in the history books. And, and uh, we look at a guy named Stephen in the New Testament who's always said to be the first martyr. But I would ask, how is it not Abel? See, he was the first person who uh, he was killed because of his faith. His legacy wasn't that he was murdered. We remember him because he had a faithful offering to God. And we hear that well, we should give our first. We should give our best. Now, we, we know that. But who told Abel? See, in Genesis 4, it's recorded very early on, Abel gave an offering, but so did Cain. So I think someone probably said, I think Adam and Eve, maybe, maybe God told him. Well, it, wouldn't, it would have to be Adam and Eve would have, would have had to say, um, you've got to give your best to God. Um, Abel did it. He did it with the right heart. I don't know who, who said you have to truly give, not, not just a certain amount, but give what you believe to be right in your heart. But he did, and Cain didn't, and, and we still speak of Abel today. He left a legacy because he was faithful to God. The next person is Enoch. Enoch did not die. Now, we put an asterisk next to this one. Um, there's, there's some question on, on what this might mean. Um, so verse 5, it again, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But then in John 3.13, we read that no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And so if Enoch were taken from this life, but he didn't go to heaven, then where did he go? And there's a couple, a couple possible questions uh, conclusions or meanings. Uh, first, maybe he went to, to paradise. Maybe he actually didn't go to heaven yet. Or, or maybe what's, I think, more likely based on the wording is he did not experience death in the same way that we will experience death and that many people have experienced death. Um, I don't know the reason behind it. I don't know if he was scared to die. I don't, I don't know um, if he just didn't want to die in a certain way, but he did not experience death. But what this tells me, it really doesn't matter. He was rewarded for his faith. Uh, look at, just look at his whole story. Then next we have Noah. Noah saved his family. Now, I, if, if I'm looking at this, I, I think what better reward to being faithful than to save your family? I think many of us, maybe most of us, would pick this. If my kids knew who Jesus were, if, if my parents were to follow God, if my siblings came to know who Jesus, uh, they came to know, know his love and his grace, um, because of my faithfulness, that, that would be the one I would pick. And, and that's what Noah did, and his family was saved because of him trusting God. 
By building the ark, he also taught us to be obedient, even when everyone else was mocking us, even when people say the Bible's outdated and it's not relevant anymore and, and you don't need to follow that. It wasn't logical. It didn't make any sense. But he was rewarded for his faith. Serious question, what kind of lighting did Noah have on the ark? <laughs> Floodlights. <laughs> oh, that wasn't actually, that wasn't even supposed to be a joke, but thanks, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, next, we have Abraham. Abraham received an inheritance. Now, a guy who left his home. Now, think about what that means. How did people receive an inheritance at all? Well, they, they stayed home, and they, they worked, and then something was passed on to him. He was willing to sacrifice his son. He made mistakes. Uh, we, we can see that he did not live perfectly, and no one's asked to live perfectly, but we're asked to live faithfully to trust God. There are all these other people listed, and I'm not going to go through each person, but I would suggest that maybe you do if you have some time, or, or pick one. There's Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. All these people are mentioned in this, this one chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. People who, in, in different ways, they failed. Some of them failed miserably. And you look at their life and you think, well, I could do that. But they trusted God. So can we do that? Um, Rahab, one example. She was a prostitute. So if she's a prostitute, and that's, that's the lifestyle she had, and she's listed in here, what do you, what do you think she may, may have done to get herself in here? She lied. Well, she wasn't commended for being a prostitute. She wasn't rewarded for lying. She was rewarded for trusting God in a tough situation. And she got her name listed in here. And do you know who else could be listed in here? You. I know you don't believe that. That's just, that's just me saying something nice. There's no way. Well, your name's not going to be written in the Bible. We, we don't do that. But you could be listed. You could, you could be someone who leaves a legacy. You could be someone who, who reaches out to your family. Your family may be saved because of your faithfulness to God, ultimately because of God's faithfulness. Um, I don't know what will go in the blank. And the thing is, I don't, I don't know how many of these people actually knew what the results were going to be, what the reward was going to be. They simply trusted God with their next step, with their next day, with their next move. You can do that. We can all do that. What might that look like for your legacy or your family? Because I, I think you probably had this faith at some point. I think most of us actually do have this kind of faith, either when we're a child or when we first come to know Jesus. When we first come to the faith, it's strong. And then what happens? Do we, do we do things to grow in our faith? Or do things pull us away? We become rational adults. You know, experiences start to pull us away from God because I don't know if I can really trust him as, as much as I can trust myself. Um, maybe we just didn't get our way. And so we think, I'm, I'm not going to trust him anymore. That's not how I wanted that to go. So how can an adult or, or a child, how can a, how can a mature, sane, reasonable, logical person accept this truth and live with this kind of faith? I'm going to go back to verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So this, this point is basically right out of the scripture. We have confidence in our hope and assurance in what we do not see. See, faith is not blind, though. Think about the, the gods that these people, that people worshipped in Bible times, and, and maybe some today, objects. They, they made something and they worshipped it. 
right? So all you see, it's an object that you see, you can worship that. But with God, there's no object. You don't actually see him, but you see the results of him. We can see creation. We can see the work of God. We can see that when someone lives faithfully, what, what plays out? Uh, we can see answered prayers. See, we're, we're not, we don't have a blind faith. We just don't have an object. But we do have a God who works, and we can see the results of his work. And so how do we live with this kind of faith? Verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Verse 15, If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The next one is look ahead, not behind. Have you ever made a decision uh, that you thought this is really going to matter and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through with this and it's going to be work and I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to put so much into this or you make a commitment or a promise that this is going to matter the rest of my life and then it and then, uh, gets hard or you're not really happy and, and, and you just don't follow through with that. Well, of course you have. All of us have. There's no question in that. But can you think of something that, that would be worth dying for? I don't mean generally speaking. I mean, can, can you think of something that matters so much to you that you would give everything for that? What breaks your heart is, is I think, the question that matters. What do you look at and you think, there is such a need in this world? I can't see that go on anymore. I, we need to make a difference, and there, this matters to me. And maybe it's because of an experience that you had, and you think, I don't want anyone else to go through that. Now, what is that? Abraham... He had that. Um, and I think if, if you find it, you have full freedom to go for it. These next few verses show us what kind of commitment that Abraham, Abraham had, even, the, even to, to w- be willing to sacrifice his own son because he trusted God. The sacrifice was there. It says this, verse 17, By faith Abraham, when, te- when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. What Abraham did is what you can do. Embrace the promises. Embrace the promises. Abraham, even in this hard situation, that the offspring will come through Isaac, but you've got to kill him. How would this possibly happen? He embraced the promises. He, he didn't, it, didn't, it wasn't logical. It did not make sense. But God told him it was what was going to happen. So he trusted him. Verse 39, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The next blank here, of something better. Embrace the promises of something better. I don't know when you're going to see the, the results. It says here that they didn't see it. They didn't get to see all of Abraham actually didn't see uh, the descendants that we, hear, that we read about in this. This is a game changer. This is probably a life changer. If you could possibly embrace the promises that, that God gives us in the Bible, that we, that we sing about and that we preach about and that we talk about, if you truly believe those, life would not be the same. No way. Whether life is good or bad, something better. It means that we don't settle for what is good and what is bad. It means that we settle for nothing less than living for God. 
Remember, we didn't get our way, and it's not what we expected, so we give up. We just wait until, tell us our time in heaven. No, no, no. We stay faithful because it's not supposed to be this way now. It wouldn't make any sense. Now, if we were to, if everything were perfect right now, why would we need hope? Why would we, why would we look forward to heaven? There would be no possible reason. If everything were perfect now, I would not need to trust God. I would need no relationship with him. If, if we had heaven on earth, what am I looking forward to? See, I'm falling in love. I would be falling in love with the gifts, not the giver. And also, if, if everything were perfect, what work would we have? What mission would we have? See, God has invited us uh, to be a part of his journey. And so we, we are here to do something, to make it better, to be more like heaven on earth. But it won't be perfect. Not now. Not yet. We make a difference. And the good thing is, is it's, it's for our own good. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, so if we don't trust God, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Now think about this. God is always faithful, but if you don't trust him, you will not know this. You will not experience it. You, you might hear about it, and you might read about it, and you might sing about it, but you won't believe it. If you, if you never live and take a step of trust, even when it's not logical or even when it's not popular, no, you won't, you won't believe this. This will, this will mean absolutely nothing to you. All these people that were listed... Uh, they lived a journey, uh, not to perfection yet, but they lived it in a way that they trusted God. And we can see that this was a gift to God. I mean, think about the joy that it brought him, but it was also a reward to those people. This is a reward to us. When we live faithfully, we, we get just as much or, or far more than what we're actually giving to God. It's a life worth living. And I don't know what promise you need to hear, uh, from God to be faithful to him. Uh, maybe that the addiction will go away or that the pain will finally stop. The suffering, it, it, it will be over with. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I don't know what the something better is, but I'm sure you do. You know what's going on in your heart and in your mind and in your life that you think, if only this we're gone. If only it were like this. Something better may not happen in this life, but the promise is still there. It's, it will happen at some point. And on the flip side, maybe things are going well. You don't, you don't need to hear any promises right now. You've got all you need. So then why aren't you faithful to God right now with what you have? Maybe you're, maybe you're settling right now for the gifts. Um, when we settle for, for what is good, the gifts of God, um, but we forget about the giver, God himself, we miss out. Uh, when the gifts go away, they will. Uh, there will be nothing left. See, when the job is gone, maybe you retire or, or maybe you just lose that job uh, when your spouse passes or, or your kids grow up, and will you still know the giver? Or will all the gifts be gone and, there, and there's nothing left and you have no relationship with God? Now, for some, I know that, that uh, I'm sure some of this has happened. Some of you are living in this point where you feel like all the gifts are gone. And if you have a relationship with God, there's still joy in your life. There's still meaning. You're still faithful and you still remember his faithfulness. But if you don't, it's not too late to start. And if you're young, don't wait. The, the gifts will come and go. The giver will always be there. And so what is good enough right now 
What's keep, what is keeping you from knowing this? Maybe you're just scared. I don't want to be different than everyone else. I don't want to face those challenges that they don't have to face. It's going to be too hard. We embrace the promises of something better. I want to go back to one person that we read in, about in Hebrews 11. It's, it's Abraham. And I, I think he, I know he didn't always do things right. Um, he, he, he was told to leave his family. And he took Lot with him. And then what happened? They had conflict. See, I, th- I think maybe he didn't always listen to the perfect detail or, or maybe he just missed it a little bit at times. But I want to go back to Abraham because I think he didn't hold back from God. We can mess up. We cannot do it perfectly, but we can still have full commitment. We might mess up, and, and you know that. And we're we're going to make mistakes, but it doesn't mean that we have to hold back anything. Romans 4 speaks about Abraham in this way. It starts out with these three words, against all hope. And there is no chance for this to matter. This is, there, this is, this is useless or pointless. Uh, against all hope. But Abraham, in hope, he didn't lose it, believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And then verse 23, this is where it starts to bring us into this. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. (laughs) One of these days, someone's just going to come running through that wall. (laughs) Our faith begins and continues to grow in the exact same way. There's no tricks here. It's not like, okay, you do this and you become a Christian and now you have to change everything and you you have to do this and this. It's not like that. No, we embrace the promises of God and we look ahead and trust him. See, the, uh, the words uh, from, from this passage I just read, God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, for our sins, for our justification. These words, are. this is the first promise that matters to us. None of the other promises, the prophecies, those, all those things that were fulfilled, none of that probably will matter in any way to us if we don't believe this first. If, if we believe that, that Jesus was raised from the dead, that God raised him, he was powerful enough to do that, and it was for your sins, for our sins, for our righteousness, for our justification. So if you don't believe that, then I would, I would say, please, come talk to me or, or, or someone else here. Talk to another Christian about this, because we first have to embrace this promise to have any faith at all. And then once we embrace the promise of God, the, the, the big promise of of, of eternal life, of hope, that there is something better because of his love that he showed through Jesus on the cross. Once we do that, we get, we get a little bit of application. I'm going to jump over to chapter 12 for this um, because I guess there wasn't enough in, in chapter 11. Uh, I, I think chapter 11 had the message, the, the truth. But chapter 12, the first three verses, now what? Now what do I do because I believe this? It says this, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so basically this verse is saying, hey, since you have such great examples, since you can read about Abraham and Moses and, and Gideon and Rahab and Samuel and the prophets, you get to see all these, all these examples. Since, you, since you've seen it, now follow that. Live like they did with the same kind of faith that they had, completely trusting God. We see the results. We get rid of the good and the bad and anything that keeps us then from trusting God. And we, we don't stop. And we might need direction. So more application. Verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so being the pioneer is like what I read just a minute ago. He led the way. He, that first promise that really mattered to us came from Jesus. He perfected it. Our faith can be perfect. We can completely trust him because that's the proof. Of, of God's power, of his faithfulness. So we follow his course. Maybe you don't think you need to right now. Uh, I'm good. I, I've got, I believe Jesus, but I don't, I don't need to do more than that. Or, or maybe I can't live like those people. I mean, I want to trust God, but there's too much sacrifice and there's too much to lose. Maybe, there's, maybe, maybe, there, maybe it feels that way. But I would say that you work hard at marriage in hope of something better anyone who's been married for longer than like a day uh, would know that it, <laughs> it takes work. Um, I'd, I'd, I've never had to do that. My wife has had to work very hard, but I haven't had to. But, but we work hard in our marriage um, because uh, we, hope that, we hope for something better. Um, we work a tough job in hopes of something better. Maybe it's retirement, or maybe it's you work hard for something better in your, in your career. You sacrifice and save for your kids, in hopes of something better for them. See, the something better is the hope, but it leads us to the work. And so do you follow God in hopes of something better? That's the question. Do you believe his promise? If we believe that, that we can work hard enough uh, for our kids and for our jobs and for our marriages, then we'll put the work in. Now, it's not that we have to work hard for this promise to, be, to, to come to fulfillment like we read earlier. God is faithful. But do you get to experience this kind of life? Uh, because you believe the promise. How did Jesus do it? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross, the shame, it was gruesome. It was brutal. How could he go through with it? The same, same motivation. The joy set before him is what the verse says. Jesus lived faithfully and trust, trusted God the same way that he's asking us to do it. Jesus embraced the promises. The joy set before him it was living by faith through hope. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we do this? We consider Jesus the promise of new life so that we too can finish the race, and we do it by embracing the promises of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much uh, for your faithfulness. I thank you for every example that we can read about in the Bible, that we can see how even when they didn't see and when they didn't know what was going to happen, they simply trusted you. And so I ask that for every person here, including myself, that we would take each step each day uh, trusting that, that there is something better and, and it's not all about us and it's not all about now. Um, but whatever it is, uh, it's, a, it's a promise from you and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be perfect. 
And so I thank you for Jesus, uh, the, the perfecter, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, uh, that we have a perfect example, a perfect and loving God. And so I ask that our, our worship is, is true to those uh, promises and that our lives uh, grow in faith each and every day because of what you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray.